With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon. Powered by the Portland Gear Store and Guardian Games, this is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. And without further ado, your hosts, Ben and David. I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And I'm Alan. And you're you're listening to the Diamonds and Roses podcast. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing great. We got a special guest, don't we? Yeah, yeah. This guest uh, is, is is building something. He's really helping build something in Portland, and uh, it's a fairly unique experience. Something really special. Uh, something more family oriented, community oriented, uh, community oriented, and a great in life experience. Yeah, and, and something that kind of relates to what we've been working on with this whole. Um, development of, of Portland baseball culture. And we've we focused a lot on the past, and now we get to focus on really uh, the, present. the present and maybe even the future as well. Exactly. And so uh, I'd like to – you want to introduce our special guest today, Dave? Well, our guest today is from uh, a little group you might know as the Portland Pickles. Okay, <laughs> And his name is Alan. Hello. Hello. Thank you for for having me. It's uh, great to have you um, on the show. I know you've made your journey from (laughs) the L.A. land all the way up here. (laughs) Got to ask real quickly with the the wildfires and everything going on right now in in, uh, California, how are things down there? What's going on down there? It's a little rough right now, to be honest. We're very fortunate and lucky that uh, our our home is in a a safe zone right now, Mm -hmm. but uh, there is... uh, there's a lot going on. It's uh, there are a lot of people that can't get to their houses. It's still and so there's it's still very tense right now. Hmm. Wow. Well, I would say that uh, if if you can help out in any way possible to uh, support these victims of fires and. Uh, California, please do so. Please, please do whatever you can to support. Is there anything that you have off the top of your head that you maybe, you know, you can mention to the listeners of what they could do, Alan? Well, we've taken in a Portland pickle in Los Angeles who is having a hard time getting home, who goes to UCLA. Uh, his name is Xander Clark. You may, some pickle fans may know him as one of our home run hitters. Oh, wow. Uh, who's finishing up in UCLA. And luckily his home is, is still good. He lives out near that area, but, uh, uh, we're, we're taking them in for a little bit while, uh, so make those commute a little bit easier as well. So, um, but yeah, keep an eye. There are definitely people that are, uh, very much affected by this. And, you know, the more we can all help each other out, the, you know, the better off I think we'll all be. Excellent. Um, so again, want to reiterate, thank you for coming on the show. So generally speaking, what we'd like to do here on the show, we, we're going to do a two part episode with you, Alan. We're going to focus, uh, on the, Early years of Alan, <laughs> and then we will we will move into the uh, the, the latest future and present time uh, with the Portland Pickles. Uh, so so first of all, tell us a little bit about a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I, uh, I I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, and uh, I was a sports fan for quite a while. I would say that. You know, my niche and what I really enjoy and what I've always, you know, needed and why I kind of spent as much time in L.A. as I did was 
um, you know, I, I really I started in music, uh, in the music business mm. and uh, in entertainment. And for going to college and growing up there, I, I just didn't feel like I could leave the area because there was that's where all the opportunity was. So I, I really dedicated a lot of my younger years to interning as many places as I could, mm. trying mm-hmm. to meet as many people as possible um, so that I would develop my, you know, my career so that when I graduated from college in L.A. that I would I'd have a job. What, what, what end of the music business? What part of the music business? I was in uh, marketing and sales. Okay. So I started with it's, it's funny to look back on the resume of, of, of record companies that no longer exist, um, but but back uh, back in the day it was quite a nice uh, business and uh, mm. it was a, a really interesting place. But what was so important, and I think what I what I always take away from the music business and what I learned is, and I, I moved around a lot and was able to to sort of understand how to how to develop artists and how to build careers through community mm. uh, and and really starting to you know one of the things that I, I take a lot of pride in was developing lifestyle marketing for for musicians and artists and and for a long time it was if you're a musician you get your song on the radio and you're a big hit well what about the thousands of artists that are incredibly talented and, and have record deals that just that you know if you're not on the radio what's your career trajectory what do you do so we really kind of worked mm-hmm. and, and and pioneered through when i worked for record labels and when i started my own businesses was developing career strategies and lifestyle marketing and partnerships so that you they, there were other ways to go about creating a lot of success and sort of building building you know the grassroots uh, excitement about artists uh, and that's that's really what sort of took me in the trajectory of, of lifestyle marketing and um, from one point of working with artists until you know my current company and building brand strategies um, hmm. for global companies and and having them understand and there's a there's a tremendous responsibility that that all companies I, I believe have mm-hmm. um, to work in the community to be able to give back to those that you're working in and yeah. you know it's not it's simply not a, an option anymore to say oh we're our music strategies we're going to go sponsor a music festival um, that is not you know that's if that's what you want to do that's fine but that's not what you know, that's what we recommend it's how do you well if you want to be in music we'll see how you're going to support artists what are you going to do with the festival that's going to enhance the experience of the customer as well as the musicians and artists? And how are you supporting them? Um, because, like you said, the distribution and then the ability to help promote, companies have that. And maybe they're not using it for this, yeah. um, but we can help change their thinking and develop a real culture so strategy. In the past, it used to be a little more short-sighted. You guys are much more big-visioned. Seems like it, it, there's just there's no there's no rules anymore. There's no barriers, and I think that's when I you know from and you know in the last twenty years when you when you know record labels exist you know, existed in a big way. It was a monopoly, and it was this is to to get a song you need to buy this, and there was yeah. a very there was a structure around it, and the mm-hmm. opportunity when that all goes away is well let's try something different. Let's mm-hmm. make let's let's make our own new rules and see what we can what we can do, and how do we empower companies to help fill that role Mm -hmm. Um, and we've absolutely seen that over the last five ten years and oftentimes when you think of brands now you think of what they do in Mm -hmm. the strategy especially if you're talking about a sports strategy all of a sudden like oh the you know red bulls are in the playoffs well, that's a that's a brand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they have a oh they have a soccer. Oh, this is yeah. oh that's cool. Oh, I get it. Like they're involved in culture and they actually you know they they contribute in different ways. And so it, it, the the blur of the corporate and the culture is 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 changing all mm. the time. And it's a mm-hmm. really interesting field to play in. Yeah. And it seems like there's an underlying story here about giving back to your community and and there's there has to have been some sort of experience that you know you went through in your life that has motivated you to do so. And if you don't mind talking. about 
about that. Well, <laughs> you know, it's interesting, and, I, and I've actually talked to some of my friends about this because I couldn't. I, I had a hard time kind of understanding where did where did my this ridiculous obsession of, over minor league baseball come from? And it, it, it and I we were kind of going back and forth about this one, that, and and it kind of dates back to when the baseball strike happened, mm. and there was the no, early nineties, early nineties, ninety four, ninety four, that's right. Montreal Expos were yeah. going <laughs> yeah, to right. World Series bound. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's and, supposed to be good that year. Yeah, right. And I think I was sort of disenfranchised with the MLB and, mm. and I wanted to, I was like, there's got to be other things out here. And and so living in L.A. at the time, um, you know, my friends and I said, well, it's, you know, it was, it was, let's go discover what else is out there. So we started dr- spending every weekend driving to see a different team. Cool. And we were going two or three hours into the desert. Wow. And we found a, we wound up actually falling in love with a team in Lake Elsinore called the Lake Elsinore Storm. Okay, and like this is the, this is early mid nineties, and they had every time they scored a run, a, a, a guy in a bunny suit would jump out of the right field wall. <laughs> minor league baseball, and he would dance, and it was like we need to know everything about that. Wow! And from that, we you know we spent we drove three plus hours every week to see, and we met you know the guy, and we hmm. we never you know it was all about the characters and the people and the community, and it was so fascinating to us probably because you know growing up in a really big city i never felt a sense of community i never really knew my neighbors i didn't know that so it was such an eye-opening thing and it it just opened up that i want to see and experience every single culture and team and know how what how they do it what works what doesn't work and that sort of that sort of put me in that trajectory to to learn and try to get in this game any way I could. So, you, what did you get your undergrad in? Because it, it seems like it had something to do, impact on your life. It was too. it was journalism, and, and journalism. I think okay. that what it and it, the, the reason why it was interesting for me is in like I I couldn't do marketing because I'm not a math guy. I can't do numbers. Yeah. Um, so I I really wanted to understand. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of in phrasing and how you position words, and, and there's so much more to, to journalism, I think, than you know the written, the writing a story about something. Mm-hmm. But what it did is it gave me the opportunity to edit a school paper and begin to meet all the publicists and make friendships with publicists and be invited to things and be in the conversation. And it taught you networking skills. Yeah, it absolutely, absolutely did. And yeah. I, I, I still talk to all those. I still mm-hmm. talk to those people today, and they're friends still. And and uh, you know, I always everyone who comes to me, how, what do I do? How do I do? You know, and I'm like. Well, take advantage of everything and meet as many people as you can yeah. and dedicate your time while you still can. Because if you're, you know, if you're 35 and you want a new career and you, you can't afford, unfortunately, to go and do internships, mm-hmm. it's really hard. You know, it's, it's tough to, you know, while you're in high school and college and don't worry about how young you are, be 14. I've had interns that are, you know, you know on the down low, they're 12 and 14. They just want to learn. And, mm. you know, I always want to give back to those people because I think that's, you know, that, that, that is the spirit that, you know, will allow you to succeed in this. Wow, excellent. Um, so, what you know with this team? Tell us a little bit more about the, the storm team. You know, at what age was it that you were really getting into the, this particular team? Well, I got. I was in. Uh, I was. I was sort of in my. Uh, I guess mid to late twenties, um, and I really. I just became, like I said, I became oddly obsessed with this thing. And it was something that I I couldn't even explain to people because this is, let's say this is pre-internet. It's not pre-internet, but it's not rudimentary. Real, it's rudimentary. 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 Yeah. It's not like you can go and experience, like now you can experience just about everything you need to. This was, <laughs> this is a janky looking web page. It looks crazy. <laughs> like what is happening out there? And so I, every week I just started bringing more and more people mm-hmm. until we had tr- 
cars and cars of caravans that went out there to watch That's these games. Awesome. And, and like after the season, we were super depressed. Like it was like, oh, we don't get to go out and see the bunny anymore. And it was like a, you know, we actually went and filmed a small documentary about it just wow. as a hobby wow. for fun. And do you think, do you think for a lot of your friends, it was for that same reason, that sense being from a large city to get that sense of community and have that kind of closer accessible connection? I think so. I yeah. think they were shocked. I just don't think you, hmm. I, you know, it's, it's, if you're going to go drive through a town and you're like, this is really different and interesting, how do you get to experience that town? I mean, sure, you can go to a dive bar and that's fun yeah. and you're going to get an yeah. element there. Well, that's what I do. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Dave does. <laughs> and there's no shame in that. That's, yeah. that's a great That's a great pastime. That's one thing you have to do. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's there's something about those that to be able to experience it and see everyone come out and see, you know, from young kids to old fam to yeah. everyone and just to really – observe and to see what people are doing and then i as as i love merch and i love that and i wanted what are they doing how do they do that Mm -hmm. i I just kind of became really interested in the business side of it and um and 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 i don't think at that time i really i really thought it would ever i'd ever be have an opportunity to be an owner even though i've said it i I said it at the time oh yeah i want someday i'm gonna have one of these yeah (laughs) um but you know career and life gets in the way of all that and Mm -hmm. um it, it definitely took some time um, and I would say probably about 10 years after that, I was really seriously considering how do I get into this game? Cool. Like, you know, after going and, and this is not just locally, like I, I spent a lot of time going to games in Japan, I was in Korea. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm, I'm newly obsessed and my partner, John Ryan, and I are obsessed with going to Mexico and going to games there. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And we've got a, we've got a trek coming up in December. We're going to Moscow. You're ahead of the curve there because mm-hmm. yeah, that's coming. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. It, they get it. They yeah, yeah. get it, and they are. And I always thought Japan, Japanese baseball was the greatest baseball I'd ever seen until I started going to Mexico. Really, and they, they, they get it. They are so good at what they do. Have you ever been to Puerto Rico or the Caribbean and, and kind of see what they what they're doing there? Well, I I went, and actually, I'm going to Cuba next month to see the mm-hmm. Cuban baseball. Huh. Um, but the I we went to John and I went to the Caribbean series last um, last okay. year in Guadalajara, okay. uh-huh. yeah. and so all those teams came in and played. Yeah, and it was I I think we were just overly we were both just at that point. It's just you're hooked. What's what's the next one? Yeah. What's the next one? That's it's cool. really interesting. I mean, you talk about going out outside of mainland USA, and so I was in Puerto Rico last mm-hmm. fall and early you know winter. And when, when I was there, I got to go see Roberto Clemente uh, Park. And they just had all of these baseball stadiums and, and just so many baseball fields in Puerto Rico. And Did you get to see a game? I, I didn't get to see a game because it was just like it was mm-hmm. devastated by the oh. storm. But, you know, they ended up having the uh, Adelio Merlino was down there doing a home run derby That's with cool. softball and stuff like that. But That's it's just yeah. you talk about like a different lifestyle in some of these other areas and how important it is to people. But... Uh, bringing it back to your your minor league experience and your you know bringing in some friends to these games. I mean, what you're essentially talking about, and I think what I read about you is wanting to create an environment of America's pastime. You want to bring back that experience of where a family will go and they'll get off their phone and they'll <laughs> just sit there and, and and watch a game. And so it's yeah. just kind of that's what it reminds well, me of. It's really interesting because you would say, hey, we want to bring it back to. What's so great about this? experiences we don't have to bring it back in anything it's it is right. there and it parallels history and it's you know it's it's you know i'm a i'm a you know i, I i'm a big history buff and i like i like studying the game and and, and the parallels across from the very beginning mm-hmm. 
there's no other game in American history, as you guys I'm sure know, that really straddles American history. Yeah. And it, you're going back all the way, and if you look back at the turn of the century, the you know, last century, you look at seeing who were the teams and what were the what was what were the most successful models, and so many of them were just small towns playing small towns, mm-hmm. and really like. Not elaborate stadiums, not big things. And we only know what we've been exposed to over our generation. Sure. But, you know, I'm not convinced that baseball is something that needs to be experienced with 50,000 people. I, I, I'm completely mm. happy in an experience that's 2,000, 5,000, 10,000. Mm. Um, Maybe I'm, a little more intimate, yeah. Intimate. Yeah. I, I think that we've yeah. – I, I feel – and when I take my son to games and, and I, I go to a lot of major league games, I, I don't like it as much. And I, and I think – and I, we can talk on all day about – you know, adding protective netting, which is obviously a good idea, but I still really feel on a major league level, it's a very it's players and everybody else, and it's it you just don't feel connected with players the way maybe you were in the past, or you do in a minor league situation. And then you're you know looking at baseball overseas and, and doing the, the checking out Japan and, and being down in the Caribbean, you're watching the culture's influence on the game, but then the game's influence on the culture simultaneously, and in that in that kind of intimate setting. Yeah. And you're picking up on that. Well, mm-hmm. well, they do it. They do it right. And and you've you baseball is funny because you've got your purists. You know, and everyone's very scared to piss off the purists. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not scared to piss. I really there's a great there's a great place for purists. Um, but there's you've got to bulldoze through this because you know every other sport evolves and baseball evolves just mm-hmm. on its own terms. Mm-hmm. And I I just think that there's. You know, we're going to do something this year that's going to that that has never been done before at a pickles game, and we're going to do a night that we're going to dedicate to future baseball. And we're going to play a game before a regular game that's going to be what we might consider future rules to be, and whether it's two outs or one out, wow, or whether you no run to second straight or cats this, out of the bag. That's it's, awesome. It's something where, that I think is going to be really interesting, and like I said. The, the beauty of what we do now is we can try anything, and I want to. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's going to be fun to see. We're out there. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. woke up. That. Uh, We're yeah. going to a few of those. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's let's talk about baseball history because you just talk about how you like to your history buff and, and so on. So talk to me about um, first of all, what was your earliest kind of recollection of baseball, and who was some player that you you kind of looked up to as like, wow, you know, I really like watching that person play. Well, I have a very bizarre, I say bizarre story, but normal for me, but bizarre for everyone is that, you know, as growing up in LA, I, I really, um, I really say rebelled. I just, I don't like what's popular. Popular isn't interesting mm. to me. So I, I just, as, as much as I would go to Dodger games, I just couldn't be a Dodger fan. It just mm. didn't appeal to me because it was what everyone liked. So I sort of was exploring and trying to figure out what, you know, what I would, what I would like. And, and I went in, in when I was probably about 12 years old, my, uh, my dad at the time said, you know, 10 years, 10, 11 years old, he said, I'll, you know, for your birthday, I'm going to take you downtown and I'm going to buy you whatever fitted, you know, whatever fitted hat you want. And that was a cool thing, you know, like mm-hmm. to get a fitted hat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, my, my thing was, well, I got to go down there and I'm going to get a Blue Jays hat because that, that thing with the thing, that's a cool logo. That's the old school Blue Jays. Old school Blue Jays. Yeah. I'm like, that's my jam. I, yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to commit myself and I'm going to be a Blue Jays fan. I got down there and the guy's like, sold out of Blue Jays hats. Oh. So, you know, knowing and I don't know if similar, you know, things like I'm never going to get back to that store. So I'm going to have to make a split decision and pivot on this thing real quick or I'm yeah. going to get no hat or a mm-hmm. Dodger hat. Yeah. So I said, I looked up and I said, you know, that cartoon bird over there is pretty cool. And, uh. And uh, they said, yeah, they've got this rookie guy, this Cal Ripken, who's supposedly uh, going to be pretty good. 
The old school so, Orioles hat. Yeah. So I, uh, I I put on the fitted Oriole hat in 1982, yeah. 83. Well, this is actually important. Mm-hmm. 83, because it was right after they won the World Series, and said, Psh, I'm on this wagon. This yeah. this sounds like something really obscure. They got a great mascot. I'm in. And it's been absolutely horrendous ever since. Yeah, <laughs> Orioles. Uh, well, then they had, they had the year where they, they, got, ro- they got robbed with uh, yeah. the home run into right field. Wasn't That's it? right. Oh, Jeffrey Mayer. Yeah. Yes. Of yeah. course. Against the Yankees. That's yeah. Right. But I do love the – I actually have one of the old school looking Oriole hats with uh, the cartoon. I love that hat. That's one of my, one of my favorite yeah. hats. Great hat. Yeah, exactly. They, did, they transitioned that in the 90s, didn't they? They yeah. did. They yeah, moved yeah. to the single boring bird. Yeah, but now it's bird. back to Spack. More animated. Yeah. The more Spack. animated bird. Yeah. Spack. With subtle differences. Yeah. It's great. But you also know the year they changed it mm-hmm. was the year they went to the playoffs. Yeah. And they had three straight playoff appearances leading into the train wreck that was this year. But they, you know, switching it back to the old bird, got out of the playoffs. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> actually. So you're rocking. So you're rolling around LA, rocking a rocking a Baltimore Orioles hat. Rocking. What are people saying to you at this yeah. point? They didn't even know what it was. I right. mean, it really was yeah. rid- East Coast, West ridiculous. Coast, sure. And I also got a lot of like, "Oh, I'm you from Baltimore?" I'm like, "Nah." What are you doing? I'm like, and then I just became obsessed with following Cal and that team and uh, and and everything about it. So I I dove into it. So I I would absolutely have a really good answer for anyone that asked me that. Um, but it's strange that, you know, throughout my life, I've actually met people that are Oriole fans, and I'm obviously very connected to them, and I made my son be an Oriole fan. And <laughs> so, you know, that's why you have kids, obviously, yeah, is to sure. make them fans of what you like. Sure, sure. So, oh, yeah. uh, uh, mine are actually just... the opposite. Mine are, like, <laughs> totally, like, I'm, you know, I'm a Patriots fan, and we were watching the Super Bowl, and my, fan, my son's like, go Eagles! And I'm like, you're killing me. Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> that's... That's the way. New England and New York don't need any more fans. Yeah, that's. I, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but your son, your son will be. Uh, he is a Baltimore fan. Yeah. He's an Oriole fan. We've yeah. got. We go to a lot of games. He's all. He's that's he's cool. all in on it. And and it's funny because his cousins and everyone he knows is Dodger fans. And I've even asked, I'm like, well, you, you could be a Dodger fan if you you know you don't want you don't need to take the abuse that I I've taken. And he's like, I don't want to be like everybody else. Yeah. Well, there, well, there you go. The there, there you go. go. I'm yeah. proud of you. That's yeah, cool. you know, a lot of people are. They don't like the fact that the Dodgers left Brooklyn, and there's a lot of people that have not gotten over the fact that they have left Brooklyn and they went to L.A. And that was like a baby, baby boomer thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, no, you're right. I, I think you still you still hear a lot of that. I mean, there's still people are still angry about it. I hear. You, I, I think you would be surprised at how many people come up to me at game at Pickles games and say, "I haven't followed baseball since the soccer team stole our stadium," uh-huh. and they're still in this very very angry about that, and will never mm-hmm. follow the Timbers because that was that was their baseball yeah. stadium. Yeah, that was really important. I mean, Dave yeah. and I did a, a podcast specifically devoted to. Uh, Civic Stadium, and mm-hmm. you know, we talked. We had done the previous one was on um, Vaughn Street, which was a twelve. You know, was originally a six thousand seat stadium, mm-hmm. and then they transitioned into a twelve thousand seat stadium. And then when they closed Vaughn Street, they took the sod from the field and they moved it that's over that's to Civic Stadium. Yeah, that's cool. And then they ended up eventually taking it out, but it was just the history behind that stadium. Did you know that they had they they had a ski jump in that stadium did at not, one point? I did not know Some that. of the marketing, it was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had a ski jump in the stadium and then um but uh, to kind of go back a little bit, you talked about the mascot from the minor league team. We, we did. We also did the episode on the Mavericks. So they had yeah. the guy Joe Garza with the Joe the Garza. broom. 
boom, so good. and it like light on fire. That's an unbelievable story. It's so good. Are you gonna do that at a pickle? You got to do it at a pickles game, like some maybe some tributes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know you. Well, you could, you could get up that. with a broomstick and just torch it and light it on fire. You know, yes, the fire marshal doesn't love that. <laughs> um, we have to be between us in the podcast, we have to be somewhat respectable to the trademark of the Mavericks sure, um, in everything sure. yeah, that we gotcha. do. Um, but yes, we have worn Mavericks unis. We have done, we have done things. We had some of the guys out. Uh, it's, I mean, it's magic. I mean, it's, it's one of those stories that everyone has to know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredibly important. It's incredibly important in any city to see that happen. And, you know, it's a great story of what you can accomplish. Yeah. So, uh, let's let's kind of flash forward. Uh, you know, co- post college, you're let's hear about a little bit more of your marketing and kind of like what what you're doing to kind of build in towards yeah. kind of where Alan is at now. Like adult life coming. Yeah, up. the adult <laughs> yeah. the adult well, life. I, I work for record labels. I, I I spend some time running around working with Geffen Records for a mm. while, and then when Geffen originally, when I guess ninety six ninety seven, Geffen closed. It has been reborn in different. You know, ways, but that was the original, and, and that's why I originally really wanted to work there. And you know, with incredible art, you know, you, obviously your Nirvanas and your Peter Gabriels, oh, yeah. yeah. the history of early mid nineties, unbelievable. The that's oh, yeah. a great time. The best. Oh. It was you know, Guns great time, and Roses. Great time yeah. for music. Oh. I mean, uh, and, and, the nineties. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it, it, it was a really special thing. I got to work with some great artists and to be a part of a lot of really great campaigns. And you know, when that when that sort of when that closed, it was hard. Um, I think it was hard on a lot of people when record labels closed because it was, you know, it's your personal identity. It's what you mm, spent so many yeah. years working towards. Um, at the time, I was in San Francisco. Um, and in fact, I was working in Portland and San- in Seattle at the time um, and working with artists like Elliot Smith, who obviously oh, was yeah, a Portland. very important, yeah. very important musician. My wife went to high school with him. So, yeah, that's ah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, Lincoln, it was Lincoln, incredible. Yeah. Inc- yeah. Incredibly talented person. Diff- I mean, just challenging artist. Yeah. Um, but I was very lucky to spend a lot of time in Portland there at the time. And so when that kind of stopped, you know, I went back to L.A. and I kind of looked at different options that I had and, and started working with artists on, you know, still kind of in our in the initial dot-com bubble was working mm-hmm. with artists and understanding how they um, how they worked in a in a digital world and how an artist could re- reimagine their um, their identity and make revenue based on new things. Um, so between early webcasting and yeah, all media, kinds of medium transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, totally. and, yeah. And that was fun. And we got to work with some, you know, I mean, from you know, Courtney Love and, and uh, some different, all kinds of, you know, between uh, all kinds of different fun nineties artists and, and, and building that out and hearing that story. And, um, and then that, that kind of transitioned into, you know, my, my first company that I, I owned and ran, which was called filter. Okay. And we launched Filter Magazine at the time, which was a very important uh, magazine. We started that in about 2002. Okay. Um, and, and we kind of had two companies that we did. I mean, it was the important thing was at, in early 2000s when we started this in music, um, this was this was the pop music explosion and it was your mm. your britney spears and your yeah. your insects and it just they just it was almost reactionary to the to the 90s yeah. days they, of they, 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 go, they go yeah they go in cycles <laughs> right and so it's reactionary i think yeah about every 10 to 15 years yeah, yeah it really is yeah it, it was a really interesting time and, and and we really um we really got to the point then that it was um, you know, it, of course, the, what, what do I do is I do the exact opposite of what everything's in. And I said, you know, it's an important time right now for us to build a mainstream platform hmm. to, to showcase artists um, who we claim are good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started the magazine, um, which was which 
did really, really well for us and was a great temple. And um, our, our motto was, you know, good music will prevail. And it was about, um, hey, if you're good, we're then we're going to talk about it. You're looking beyond short-term yeah. sales. You're looking for just kind of longevity, yeah. authenticity. Yeah. But from everything. I mean, we, we, yeah. we were very fortunate. We did the last David Bowie cover he ever did oh, in America. Cool. Um, we did the last interview with Elliot Smith. We hmm. did, um, you know, we, we gave a lot of incredible artists our first cover. And then, of hmm. course, we did amazing things like, you know, uh, you know, working with, uh, you know, with, with, with the Harrison estate and doing incredible things with, with George Harrison and doing a cover with that mm-hmm. and, and building out really fun. It was really great and fortunate time. And, um, and while we were doing that, I was building the business at the time of, of, of taking, of starting to work with brands and building mm-hmm. brands and, and helping them identify how to execute in cultural ways and working with musicians. You know, it's a really tricky place because, Musicians and artists want something, and a brand wants something else. Mm-hmm. And if one of them isn't getting what they want, it's a real issue. Okay. So being kind of say the brokering, but helping transition that and mm. understanding that that was is is kind of what we do. Um, so we we really pursued that for quite a while. Um, and after fourteen years um, of that, I I wanted to tear it all down and start something from scratch. Mm. How are you selling this uh, this filter magazine to these artists or even their their family members to get them to buy in? Like, what's 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 your pitch to them? Well, we started. You know, I, I'd always I I had some experience, obviously being a journalism major, and I I'd written some fanzines and, and published some different things. But it was a real risk. I'll tell you that. I mean, we we put everything we every dollar we had into this publication. And it was a global magazine. Uh, so we started out, we put everything in and we published, I think we got up to about 26 countries. Um, and at the time... And this is still when print media is doing it was. well. well. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. But yes, yeah, so we were in, I mean, our distribution was between Tower Records, Virgin gotcha. Records, Barnes okay. & Noble, Borders. Um, we would do deals internationally in newsstands and college campuses. So it was, it, it really was a, a really important, okay. a really important piece in music. And I'm, I'm very proud of, of what we were able to accomplish yeah. with that. What would you say the app, like when Apple came out with the, the iPod and and having that downloadable music like what what do you, what what did that do to well it was chemistry? it was definitely amazing I you know it's funny as I was recently looking back at our issues and we, we published for uh, twelve years I think it was told um, and if you look at the first ad the first one like the, the back page ad is like the original iPod oh, wow. and then you go through issue five six seven and you can see the progression of the technology the, the, the iPhone the visual the, evolution yeah, yeah. And, and it was it's really it's it's really cool I mean it, it changed it changed everything I mean it's mm-hmm. Technology is completely. I, for one point, we're like, well, there's two businesses that are absolutely about to die, and one is print, and one is music, and we are at the vortex of both of the of the things that are just dying right now. Yeah, forces you to be resourceful and creative is what <laughs> you, it does. You have, yeah. It's never, you know, for some reason, I never take the easy path. So. Yeah, there you that's go. interesting that you talk about. Uh, you know, you talk about those two platforms because I was just re- looking at an article. I think it was yesterday or today, and it talked about. Um, maybe the death of the album itself because of downloadable music and, and where we're kind of at right now with that. What, what's your take on that? I think it depends on your genre. I think that popular music will always be singles driven because I think okay. that's all you want. I think that's all it's digestible. I think the album is a really important sort of... Um, I know, I mean, you can always say, why, why is an album a certain amount of length? Well, because that's the amount of time thing you could fit on a record. Well, that's the amount of time you could fit on a CD. That's like, so we're, we're <clears throat> oftentimes we're... We're comparing against things that aren't really that relevant. Mm-hmm. But I think as an album, just from my experience, I, I think there's there's an art form to a great album. And I do like it as a body of work. And I think that if you are a, if you are an artist that you're performing and you're creating something of value, 
then that shows your longevity to a certain degree. I mean, it's not easy making an album. It's not easy making 10 songs or 12 songs and making them work really well. So I think there's huge value to artists that can do that. And I, for the artists that I look forward to, and I listen to a lot of music, that those are, I, I when I hear an album that's amazing, I'm like, this is incredible. And it maybe even stands higher than yeah, It's like before. a collection in one entity at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. yeah. It is. And it's not, I mean, standpoint, pop yeah. artists are going to make a single and then they're going to put a monetizer single. Mm-hmm. Artists are artists are artists. Artists are there to create art, and and that's what album that art an album is a representation of their mm. art. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, are are you a movie guy? Do you like movies? I started in movies. Like oh, I started wow. I started with my love of movies okay. from the eighties, and then and then and then I got out of it just because of music at the time. So, uh, one of the questions that uh, I, I want to ask is, what do you think is your favorite baseball movie? This is a good question. What are your favorite baseball movies? I, Major League here. Ma- I yeah. love. I love Major, Major League's League. my my funny, the funniest one. Like you go into where you get about ninety feet, then we talk about you may run like this, but you hit like <laughs> shit. <laughs> and then he takes out the contract, takes the leak on it. I yeah. mean, what a great movie! But uh, you know, they got the Sandlot. I mean, that's a oh, yeah. that's a great movie. And then yeah, uh, I have a hard time. Not going with Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams I, is a great I, movie I, too. I, yeah, you can't go wrong. I, I have a hard. I, and, and I and Major League is a Major League is a classic. Major League is a classic. It's <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a very. It's interesting because I think it, I think it's to some degree generational. I mean, some mm-hmm. people will obviously say Sandlot. Some people say Major League. But yeah, Bull Durham. Bull Durham is the other one. Yeah. I mean, most people, I think Bull Durham is 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 right up there. It's a very yeah, that was a great movie, classic. Yeah, and he hit the hell out of that, <laughs> yeah, because he knew where it was coming from. As long as Costner's involved, you know it's just yeah. gonna be a classic. I think right. the greatest part though of Major League, even though you like you have all the like the sayings, was the part when they're duct taping the wing of the airplane. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was like the greatest part ever. Ball, though, yeah. so, <laughs> they're out there on the runway, duct taping the wings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe Classic. Classic. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Um, you know, we're so glad that you you know you could be on and and you know partaking uh, and spending some time with us talking about baseball, talking about yourself earlier because. You know, we, I've gone to a few Pickles games and, you know, we've re- since recently getting into the podcast, we wanted to take a dot more of a deeper dive into the background of, of people who are have a connection to Oregon in one way and it has to have a connection to baseball and to really tell the story because in order, you know, the way I look at it is in order to move forward, you got to tell the past and then you tell the past present and future of it and if you if you can connect it and you can have that connection to it and tell people the story then that's how they're going to be more connected to how how important baseball is to this particular area yeah you reference uh, culture you reference community you reference intimacy kind of these concepts that that uh can be built you know within this community i I think it's fascinating Mm -hmm. it it is it's 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 fast and like i I give so much credit to the fans and the people that come out to the games because it's all we need to do is amplify what they what they love because they they are the ones that no one shows up you don't have a team you have nothing Mm -hmm. and and i it's it's it really is amazing and i i don't take it for granted because i like i see and i go to every single game anywhere i can there's not many places like this i mean at all so it, it is really, really special to see when people come out and and really 
have a good time and appreciate it. And, and similarly to as I would drive to Lake Elsinore and bring a caravan, <laughs> I need to get every single person I know to a game here for them to experience what I think is one of the most special things around. Excellent. Well, we'll get to the pickles in part two of our episode with uh, Alan here. But uh, for Looking now. forward to it. Uh, yeah, I am too. But for now, so thank you uh, for this episode. Thank you, Alan, for, for coming on. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Me. And uh, I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And I'm Alan. And uh, peace out. <laughs>